know, there's been this battle of sorts going on between Florida, Disney World, specifically Ron DeSantis. And what seemed to really bring it to the forefront was the fact that you had Disney's massive corporation that was really railing on Florida because uh, Florida is very big into parental rights and not having pornography in elementary schools. And as Disney has gone more and more left, they are more supportive of separation of parents from kids, particularly when it comes to sex and gender. And they are, you know, really gung-ho about the idea of pornography being provided to kids in schools. And and one of the things that we learned that I think most people, most Americans didn't know, is that there was this really sort of weird relationship, if you will, Disney had with the government, and that was they were pretty much allowed to have their own, <laughs> something that nobody else really had. And so DeSantis, he came out and he was like, hey, uh, that's not right. Now, while some people said they should not be punished simply because they are pushing all these left-wing positions and trying to have their way, essentially, when it comes to the classroom. Others argued that that's irrelevant. They, they, they should not be exempt from all of these other laws and regulations that other businesses aren't exempt from. It doesn't have to, whether or not they, they hate to say, even if it is uh, some form of political punishment, the fact of the matter is they should not be getting special treatment anyhow. This is the Reedy Creek Improvement District. Now, Part of the yanking away of these special rights was the requirement of an audit to figure out what exactly was going on there. Some of this information has begun to come out. I believe yesterday afternoon it was meant it was uh, slated to be delivered to uh, Governor DeSantis's office. And it essentially shows that it was a hell of a racket and that it was a real bait and switch situation decades ago where Disney made all these promises in order to get these special exemptions. But then had not only did they never follow through with what they claimed that they would do in exchange for these exemptions, had no intention of ever following through. Uh, and that it was one of the biggest scams that has ever been pulled over in this capacity. And many people were left holding the bag in terms of taxpayers because of the dishonesty. And and uh, I'm going to share just a, a somewhat of an overview as this uh, audit has um, just begun to come out to some degree. And like I said, I, I believe, at least according to the reports yesterday, uh, it wasn't until yesterday afternoon that DeSantis's office was actually even going to get it themselves. Uh, but there's some pretty interesting stuff in there that I thought I would share because it does, it, to me, this this whole battle wasn't even so much about the issue of the day as much as why is it this massive corporation is treated differently than other corporations. We should not live in a country where the government treats some businesses different than others. 
Of course, there's always the delicious part of this, in which here is a corporation, the left and, and Democrat activists, they've always talked about, no, we're anti-corporation, we're for the little guy, we're for the worker, and we especially, we can't stand corporate America having influence over politics, yet here they love Disney doing it. Love it! Disney's the greatest thing ever, because Disney does exactly what they claim that they hate. But see, the target is a Republican, so they love it. Let's get a news update. Good morning, everyone. From Color 10 Studios, I'm Angela Luna. A man is pleading guilty for his role in a Springfield murder case. Payne Morse has pleaded guilty to unlawful possession of a firearm and tampering with evidence. On May 3rd, police found Jimmy Johnson III lying in the backyard of a home on North National Avenue with a gunshot wound to the chest. The plea agreement recommends Morse be sentenced to five years for each charge and the sentences to run at the same time. The other suspect in the case, Ronald Curnow, is being charged with first-degree murder. Firefighters were called out late last night after reports of a fire at a shop. Firefighters were called out late last night after reports of a fire at a shop. This happened on West Cherry Street in Fairgrove. Crews from Fairgrove, Strafford, and Ebenezer were all called out to get the flames under control. From Color 10 News, I'm Angela Luna. First alert forecast sponsored by Wolf Pack Cleaners from Color 10. Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt, sunny with a high of 48, mostly clear 26 tonight. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 52. Disney secured the ability to effectively govern itself in Florida for more than half a century by performing a, quote, bait and switch on the state of Florida and used its complete and unaccountable governmental power to, quote, maximize its profits at the expense of the public good, according to an independent audit of the entertainment giant's role of the state. The audit of the Reedy Creek Improvement District, also known as RCID, which was established by Florida to bring Disney's business to the state back in 1966, found that Disney seized complete control of that government entity and used the structure to establish itself as one of the world's largest corporations. The report obtained by the Daily Wire notes the steps Disney took to maintain control over the government RCID are, quote, shocking, and that its establishment facilitated the most egregious exhibition of corporate cronyism in modern American history. The report comes at nine months after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis eliminated the Disney-controlled district in a move his critics say was motivated by his political fight with the company. DeSantis said he took action because Disney should, quote, live under the same laws as everybody else. And that allowing a corporation to control its own government is bad policy. I think most people would agree with that. Now, what you'll find here, and it's just so hilariously corrupt is this this board of individuals that was supposed to govern Disney like as a government entity in fact acted as if they were employees of Disney they got all sorts of perks they got land they got I mean they were they it, the relationship was very similar to what we have seen school boards 
operating as here in this country. Now, this has changed to some degree, but school boards are supposed to be there to govern over the schools. These are representatives of the community at large, and they are supposed to be the decision makers or at least the hiring of the decision makers, the the ultimate steerer of direction. But what has happened over time is they've essentially become ambassadors of the district itself. Um, there for the purpose of getting the district whatever the district wants. And then whenever the district needs more money from the community, go out and on behalf of the district, telling the community this is what you need to do. So the relationship was backwards. And apparently that's what had been going on with Disney all this time. This institution, the Reedy Creek Improvement District, that was supposed to be the oversight of Disney was instead just acting like Disney employees. Some of the findings coming up first. A traffic update. The American Transmissions Talk and Text Line 447-KSGF. I'm Nick Reed. Hey, everyone, it's Sarah Meyer. Hey, that's me, and we are in the middle of that holiday travel season. And if you're planning to hit the road for Christmas, right now is the best time to call Avis, the car rental company, and secure that short-term rental. And if your goal in 2024 is to purchase a new car, Avis also has their long-term rental program. Now, the reason I mention that is because the long-term rental program, it is great if you are looking to purchase a new vehicle, but you're wanting to do a longer test drive before you sign on the line. And with long-term rentals, you don't have to worry about vehicle maintenance. There's no trips to the DMV. And if you have a couple of vehicles that you are wanting to try before you buy, you can swap out vehicles every couple of months if you wish to do so. So whether you're wanting to grab a short-term rental or you want more information on the long-term rental program, swing by the Avis store. It's located here in Springfield off of Fort and Sunshine. And of course, you can find all of that contact information for Avis under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at ksgf.com independent audit blasting disney for pulling a bait and switch on florida calling it a mouse trap this report comes nine months after governor DeSantis eliminated the disney controlled district this was a district that essentially was supposed to control disney the reedy creek improvement district rcid the audit's findings will likely be seen as vindication of DeSantis with the report stating that RCID's 55-year stint, quote, represented a stunning deviation from the good governance standards of the state of Florida. The audit consisted of a forensic audit of the district's finances, as well as an analysis of governing structures and urban planning. It found that Disney used shady tactics to maintain its control of power, handpicking government officials... <laughs> It's just just insane. They handpicked the government officials, making payments to district employees that were akin to bribes. It also used the district to avoid taxation and thrust cost of tax on the taxpayers in surrounding communities. George Mason law professor Donald Koken, one of the independent auditors, found that Disney knew it wanted to govern itself and deceived Florida in order to attain the Reedy Creek structure. Disney told Florida that it would build a city around a single theme park complete with affordable housing, transportation, and other community services, according to the report. Koken explains that Disney, quote, quickly abandoned its city-building pretense. 
It instead built the modern Disney World, consisting of several different theme parks, four golf courses, and dozens of hotels with no housing and services only offered to tourists. The RCID was a mousetrap, the report states. Disney dangled savory cheese in front of the Florida legislature and the people of Orlando, but quickly abandoned its city-building pretense. Koken said that was always Disney's plan because having a real population in the district would threaten its control. Quote, the historical record demonstrates that Disney disdained voters from the outset and did not want its special district or its corporate choices to be subject to public accountability through popular elections. Documentary evidence from Walt Disney himself makes clear that he did not want permanent residents in his model community. Koken told the Daily Wire in an interview on the audit that it was a bait and switch, but that even if Disney held up its end of the bargain, it would still have been a mistake for Florida, saying, I do not conclude in this report that had they fulfilled the promises that that would have been a good idea. The governance structure was a bad idea. We would have hoped that the legislature never would have uh, been seduced by the narrative in the first place. The report lays out how... how even the democratic aspects of the RCID were meticulously controlled by Disney. Board members, for example, were only eligible if they owned land in the district. So Disney would temporarily deed plots of inaccessible land that board members could hold during the duration of their service and forfeit it back to Disney at the end. The company would even continue to pay the property tax for the board members. So what it sounds like here is, of course, Disney said, hey, we're going to build this city. It's going to be a community. And then there's also going to be this little theme park. And, And the the requirement to be on the governing board is that you have to own land. The problem, apparently, it sounds like what this audit found, is that there was no land available but for the land that Disney controlled and then would pick, handpick their people to, quote, own the land for a period of time, which allowed them to be available to be on the board. The system, the report found, ensured that the board, quote, would be uh, responsive to Disney's preferences and would serve Disney's interests. Because the Walt Disney Company controlled the election of the Board of Supervisors, the Board of Supervisors effectively reported to Disney and represented Disney's interest. This created the potential for corruption. The financial audit appears to uncover areas where corruption may have existed, as well as potential tax fraud, according to the report. William Jennings, a forensic accountant who is regularly hired by the federal government to conduct investigations, found that Disney treated the district employees that were supposed to be regulating Disney instead treated them like they were Disney employees. Reedy Creek Improvement District employees were treated to benefits, such as complimentary annual passes for themselves and family members, as well as steep discounts on products and related services such as Disney cruises. The report states that the, quote, showering gifts and lavish spending of on RCID employees created the impression that these employees work to achieve the interest of Disney, not of the district or other property owners. 
The audit states that these improper payments were akin to bribes of public officials when they were coming from Disney. In recent years, the district has reimbursed Disney for the benefits, categorizing the perks as financial and administrative services. Again, these are passes and cruises. The district also failed to include the benefits of taxable income to the IRS, even after employees brought the tax issue up to leadership. The district administrator, John Classy, said that the benefits, which included annual passes for each employee and three or more family members, were part of employee training. The report criticizes Classy's statement as non-plausible, noting RCID employees received the tickets regardless of their job duties and for the use of uh, and for the use of their friends and family as well. Jennings found that the same administrator, Classy, in a 15-month span, put $166,000 on RCID's American Express card for celebrations, sports tickets, memberships, meetings, and other events, including roughly $23,000 for entertainment and golf. This, quote, stunning deviation from good governance standards was allowed to happen due to a lack of oversight. Hardly anyone outside the special district knew about the scope and scale of the problems plaguing it, the auditors found. Complete and unaccountable governmental power was handed over to a private corporation, transforming a democratic institution into a private uh, corporate monopoly. The report concludes that the failure to completely govern Disney was disastrous for the surrounding communities of Central Florida as well, who were on the hook for housing, schooling, hospitals, and other public services for the company's massive workforce. The report found over 100,000 people work in the district, but they must commute from elsewhere because the district has no workforce housing. The report explains, noting that it was also not home to any schools, hospitals, or libraries, and instead foist those costs upon the surrounding communities, which must supply those services for the Disney employees and their families. Disney's urban planning was forced almost entirely on optimizing corporate goals rather than the needs of the workforce, which consists predominantly of people with relatively low-wage service industry jobs all living outside of the district. The audit acknowledges that Disney has had positive impacts on the region, but, but posits that it could have helped Central Florida just as much without taking the measures it did to govern itself. The legislation eliminating Reedy Creek Improvement District mandated that the audit be completed within a year of its passing in February of 2023. Democratic lawmakers last week introduced legislation to restore the district back to the way it was, (laughs) stating that the new governing structure place put in place by DeSantis, the Central Florida Tourism Oversight District, uh, had no transparency. The auditors also found that Disney took many steps to memorialize its control over the district in the final days of Reedy Creek, even entering into a 100-year contract with the district. The new Central Florida Tourism Oversight District is fighting to nullify the so-called 11th hour agreements in court. Uh, The report's authors say Disney's fight is not a surprise, of course, stating that no one expects a company that grows obese on a steady diet of gigantic portions of exemptions and privilege to peacefully pass back the plate. Now, this is a pretty remarkable overview of what Disney created. And I I mean, this was something that began back in the 60s. 
And it's quite an amazing thing, quite frankly. I mean, it's the sort of thing that, unfortunately, because politics are involved and because the left is on the side of the massive corporation, there probably won't be any... Or it, it diminishes the likelihood that there would be any sort of documentary series on on how all this came to be, because it really is quite fascinating that you had Disney come along and say, we just want to build a community and the community will have, uh, you know, a, a board of individuals that will be elected by the public at large. Oh, and we're also going to have this little park. And as soon as this relationship was allowed to occur, they abandoned the community component to it. The governing board still existed, but they had created this scenario where only landowners in the district could be on the board. Disney had all the land and would sign it over to the people of their choosing while they served on the board, continuing to pay for it and so forth, creating their own board, creating their own government. And regardless of the reason that all of this came about, I think that most reasonable people, when they recognize that this is a unique relationship that doesn't, as best as we know, exist for any other corporation, we don't have any other corporation that is allowed to have its own government. And those government employees are bought and paid for by the corporation. I think most people would regardless of political beliefs, say, yeah, that, that, that isn't consistent with how things are done. And that may not be the best idea. Which, of course, makes it all the more perfect. That what I think, again, most pe- even people who are supportive of, of the idea of corporations and recognize the significance and importance of corporations would see this as the worst form of cronyism and, and just, yeah, I mean, seeped in unethical and dishonest behavior that this is the one corporation that Democrats love to defend. So much so that the Democrats in the Florida state legislature wanted to go back to the way it was before. Well, and Nikki Haley also said that she would be more than happy to have Disney set up that scenario in South Carolina. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. We're going to get a traffic update. And then talk about the city of Springfield is grappling with how to prevent itself, or at least council members, from being unethical here. They're really having, apparently, a very difficult time writing up rules so that they are not unethical in their behavior, particularly when it comes to contracts with the city. First alert forecast sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Sunny 48 for a high today, clear 26 tonight, 52 tomorrow. For a high, and those temperatures getting colder, battery may be struggling a little to turn over. Belts, hoses, colder the temperature gets, the more difficult it can be on them. And it could be the sort of thing that when the weather's nice, isn't necessarily problematic. But that cold snap is just enough to push it over the edge. You don't want to throw a belt while driving in this cold, these cold temperatures. You don't want to you know, have fluid issues. You don't want to not be able to start your vehicle early in the morning and then have to figure out who you're going to have come jump you. And they don't like, you know, they don't want that. A1 Custom Car Care. Just make sure you're ready for winter.
Pretty simple stuff. You can find them at ksgf.com, area, locations, hours, and so forth under Nick's endorsements. Uh, Springfield City Council continues to grapple with code of ethics revisions. This is an attempt to craft rules to make sure that they are not unethical, and they're having apparently a very difficult time figuring out how to do that. Now, just for, uh, let me tell you something, and I, this may be a foreign concept to a lot of people. But I, I just don't think that these ethics rules in this, they don't make a lick of good. Because people who are naturally corrupt, they're going to get around them anyway. In fact, the, the reason this is even a discussion is because on you, you had, for the longest time, Claire McCaskill's biggest supporter in Springfield, Jan Fisk, and there were these contracts that were between city and and her, you know, Fisk Transportation Limousine, whatever the official name of the company is. And, and finally, there was a citizen that was like, hey, this is kind of in violation of the charter. I mean, it's pretty clear here that a member of the council cannot have any financial benefit due to contracts or anything with the city, whether it's directly or indirectly. And if so, they shall be removed, not can be or maybe should be, but shall be. Now, when this happened at the time, I explained how it would play out because I believed at the time that there was a level of corruption within the city of Springfield. And if I was correct, this was how things would play out. And I was correct. Nothing would be done. Despite the charter saying that any member that did what it was that she was involved in shall be removed. Didn't happen. She acknowledged by, quote, paying some of it back. That that seems like an admission here. (laughs) That you violated the charter. Otherwise, how'd you pick the amount that you're paying back? But when you have corruption, when you have a culture of corruption and someone violates a rule, a regulation, they don't you know, say, hey, listen, these rules are put into place and we may not like them necessarily. And maybe you're not a bad person, but the rules are the rule. It says you shall be removed. But when you are a culture of corruption, you don't do that. You make excuses. Kick the can down the road at the time. I said, they're going to run out the clock on this thing because that is also what happens in a culture of corruption. Oh, we're going to figure this out. And and I predicted that they would run that clock out to where she was no longer on the council and say, well, you know, she's gone now anyway. Well, we might as well drop this thing. That's exactly what happened. Oh, but... Then they decided, and this is also a sign of a culture of corruption, you pretend as if these things are very concerning, so we need to not abide by the rules that are in place. No, no, no. Come up with new rules. This is what they all the time with gun control and so forth. Uh, They don't enforce the laws that are in place. So what do they do? We need more of them. It's the same thing. We have these 
ethics code of, of ethics in place that say if you're on the council, you cannot financially benefit directly or indirectly. Uh, and then here somebody did. Do you enforce it? No, no, you don't enforce it. Oh, but we, we need new ones. Yeah, we need new ones in place to make sure we aren't. Oh, okay. If you don't follow the current code of ethics, why is anyone to believe that you are going to follow the next level of code of ethics that are put into place. What will eventually happen is if somebody does, and, and by the way, that first round, the the ethics, the code ethics violation by Jan Fisk, that didn't come around because the city was doing its due diligence and making sure that everything was above board. It was because of a pesky citizen that wouldn't shut up about it. These annoying do-gooder citizens that expect their elected officials to be held accountable to the code of ethics. And so they are grappling with what new code of ethics to come up with. One that I can all but guarantee you at some point, again, if there's some pesky citizen that realizes, hey, there's a violation here. Well, you know, it's not as simple as that. And then figure out a way as long as it's one of the protected. One of the elites. Why it is that, uh, well, we oh, we need to come up with some new, cause they, you know, this was part of the excuse that they gave for not enforcing it before. Well, it was just kind of vague and it was hard to understand. It's pretty straightforward stuff. Pretty straightforward. Oh, see, we, oh, oh, it's just a little too complicated here. Now, the news leader's story on this makes no reference to the history and the background of all of this, and that being Jan Fisk and the fact that this same city gave her a pass and did not bother enforcing those code of ethics. So why on earth even, why why bother coming up with new codes of ethics? What's the point? Oh, I guess we can see that they're really serious about being ethical, of course. Now, the... This is the way Section 19.16 of the Charter reads. That it prohibits prohibits city council members, employees, and other officials from having a financial interest, direct or indirect, in any contract with the city. So it's specifically about contracts with the city. Or be financially interested directly or indirectly in the sale to the city of any land, material, supplies, or services, except on behalf of the city as an officer or an employee. Any violation of the section are supposed to result in an immediate forfeiture of the person's position. But again, that's not what happened. Now, that seems pretty straightforward, right? Lacks complication. If you are, for example, a city council member, You cannot have a financial interest in any contracts with the city. And you cannot have financial interest in the sale of land, materials, or supplies. So we we all understand what this is supposed to prevent. This is supposed to prevent somebody who has influence in the city, be it as a city council person or otherwise, from making money off the taxpayers. 
using their position in order to get contracts for transportation, for example, or having land that they want to sell off and get in a really sweet deal at the taxpayer expenses. I think most of us can recognize clearly what the intent is, but evidently this is just too vague and complicated for the brilliant minds within the city of Springfield as they try to grapple with becoming more ethical. We're going to take a break, and according to the news leader, read to you some of their simplification of this, apparently, which it's government, so you know what direction that's going. News leader has a piece. Springfield City Council continues to grapple with code of ethics revisions. And in fairness to the author of the piece, this may be someone who wasn't around working in the community. I I don't know. I don't know the background of these people. To me, all of this is extremely, the the background is relevant and the Jan Fisk fiasco in which here you had a council member that was financially benefiting from contracts with the city. Um, And that's where part of the, I I call it a cover-up. Not that it covered up what occurred, but covering up any sort of responsibility, if you will, in, ma- in making it seem like, well, the rules, the, the code of ethics is just a little confusing. Um, and, and so uh, we promise we'll fix those. That's what this has, has come out of. Now, that's missing in the story. And again, whomever wrote the story, they, that, that may not be background that they're familiar with. Somebody at the news leader certainly should have. Uh, made sure, though, that whomever was writing the story understood that's where this because it's all very relevant. The Code of Ethics, as it reads, Section 19.6, that we're told is too complicated to figure out. And while it's too vague at the same time, the vagueness leads to complications. Prohibits city council members and employees or other officials from having, quote, a financial interest direct or indirect, in a contract with the city. Or be financially interested directly or indirectly in the sale to the city of any land, materials, supplies, or services. If you violate it, you shall be removed. Now that seems pretty straightforward to me. So I'm on the city council. I own a business. I cannot enter into a contract. My business cannot enter into a contract with the city. I have Nick snow cones. And the city has numerous festivals. I cannot contract with the city, Nick snow cones, as a city council member, in order to prov- purchase and provide snow cones for the community because I benefit from that. My business benefits from that. Oh, I want to sell the company and the land that I, that I utilize in order to uh, store My snow cone carts. As a council member, I cannot sell those to the city. I I cannot, I can't do that. In In an effort to make it more clear and simple, this is what is apparently at this point in the new draft of section 19.6. It adopts the state definition of what constitutes a substantial financial interest. So instead of any financial interest, now it's substantial. Well, that makes it more clear, doesn't it? As drafted, it would not allow employees to be involved with transactions with the city when either they, their spouse, or dependent children own 10% or more of the company, 
or have an interest valued of $10,000 or more, or when they, their spouse, or dependent children receive compensation of $5,000 or more a year from any individual partnership organization or association. Now, doesn't that make it more clear than the way that it is now, where it's just like, you just don't do it? So apparently, the code of ethics, it's just too much to say, you listen, you cannot benefit financially in your position with the city to, well, maybe you can a little bit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, uh, it's just too complicated to say flat out, no, no financial, no financial benefit from the taxpayers. Uh, so we're going to say, well, if you got this over, maybe if it's a 10% or uh, it's this much money, or if your family over here, I don't know about you, but to me that, that it, it's like, it's crap. It's, it's re- it's like sneaking in unethical behavior by calling it ethical. Now, I, I think ultimately, there, like I said, there's a lot of silliness in this. As the code of conduct, the, the code of ethics showed us before, it's irrelevant as long as you have unethical people in office and unethical people in charge. Because when they violate it, it doesn't matter. Jan Fisk did, if I recall, write a check for a certain amount of her financial interest. But I think most of us recognize the only reason that even happened was because, again, a a citizen had pitched a fit about it and was very clear and very vocal about, look look at here are the contracts. Here is the charter. This is what it requires, that she shall be removed. And so it was a way to demonstrate that something had been... Try to make it kind of go away. Oh, well, I paid it back, so it's irrelevant now. The problem is that's not how it works for you and I as citizens. So we could talk about the silliness of going from a charter of ethics that says you can't have any financial interest to saying, well, it's ethical as long as it's only this much. But ultimately, if you're dealing with a culture of corruption... It, it's irrelevant anyhow. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. Have you been by the Woodvale subdivision, the big Aller building company sign up for it? I actually haven't been by in God, maybe a month or so. I need to drive by and see the developments there. Though on Facebook, I do follow Aller Building Company, so I've seen much of the development. So of those homes, three to five bedroom, up to 3,100 square feet are open and available. And these are for those of you that are in the market for a new home but want it to be new, brand new. And then, of course, the convenience of their showroom floor, everything all in one place that you need to pick in order to make the house a home. The style, the feel, the flavor. Sometimes that can be a hassle. It's you know, cuts, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, one hand, you want it to be a brand new home, so you don't have to do any remodeling. But that means you have to pick all of the stuff from the get-go, right? You know, the countertop company over here, light fixture company over there, and so forth, all in one location. That is in Ozark. It's Aller Building Company, O-L-L-E-R. You can find them at ksgf.com. I'd follow them again on social media. You could see uh, much of what they have to offer. There is a... Color 10 has a story, OzarksFirst.com. City leaders gather to find solution to end gun violence. 
They note on the heels of yet another shooting, city leaders of Springfield come together today to talk about how to end gun violence. With the primary goal of trying to save a life, they discuss possible solutions. The collaboration between city and county leaders was held at the Community Partnership of the Ozarks. Today was the first meeting where solutions were brought to the table. Francis Pratt, co-chair of the Gun Safety and Violence Collaborative, said this was a meeting to start laying out the framework. Now, I just want to... I've mentioned this before, and it just strikes me as odd to some degree. And it really was palatable a few weeks ago when there was a story about... Um, it was a shooting that happened with the young Nguyen man, and there his his family owns the Chinese restaurant downtown, and there was a story about some of the community coming together, and they were talking about gun violence. And subsequent to that story were two other stories in the news regarding one was a stabbing and one was a beating. And I thought, you know, it's interesting because here, and it's anecdotal, and but here you had three stories, two-thirds of which were horrific violence, um, one resulting, at least one, in hospitalization. But then there is this focus only on certain violence, like, as if there isn't a source problem here or a culture problem here. And I saw this story, and I just randomly I thought, well, what if I do a news search of uh, assaults in Springfield? And there were a tremendous number of stories that popped up from the last couple of years that had nothing whatsoever to do with guns. Some that ended in death, whether they're beatings or stabbings. Uh, you know, here's one from I think this was last year, maybe even the year before. Safety concerns have arisen uh, for some after a string of violent assaults in downtown Springfield by large groups of people, and it lists two or three different instances in which people were just randomly mobbed and and just beaten. There's a story, a Springfield woman arrested for multiple charges, including domestic assault, property damage, assault of an officer. This was near Martha's Vineyard. Again, you know, I, I just grabbing a number of different random stories, and I mentioned a couple of stabbings last week. And it isn't to say that these violent assaults, these murders are more important than murders or significant than murders uh, committed by a gun. But this this focus on only those that are committed by guns or at least somehow elevating it as if, well, those are the ones we need to focus on, you know, not some woman who's beaten to death by her spouse or not some person who is just walking down the street with his girlfriend and a mob of eight people surround and kick him to death. Because it's when you instead focus on only one sort of assault or murder based off the device that's used, you're missing the point. That's never going to fix the problem. And I think that we need to focus on the, the fact that the violence is occurring, not focusing on the tool as much as the act itself. News in 60 Seconds. I'm Nick Reed.